All right, Acts chapter 8, and we're going to pick it up in verse 26. If you're new or visiting, we're going through the book of Acts verse by verse. Father, we thank you for all you're doing in our midst. We thank you that we can pray to you and that we can hear of you, your Holy Spirit, and that you do guide and direct. I just thank you that you're real, you're alive. So, Father, I I pray for the gift of teaching as we get into your word this morning, that you would teach us individually, uh, rebuke us if necessary, comfort us, strengthen us. We're open to your Holy Spirit and the work that he desires to do in our lives. So do it through your word this morning in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, the last time we were together, we learned how Philip was available for the Lord to go to the Samaritans, those who are known by the Jews as half-breeds, the Jews in Judea and Galilee area. Peter and John came shortly after to lay hands on them, at which time the Holy Spirit came upon them. There was a tremendous revival taking place in the city of Samaria, and then it spread to the other towns within the area. We looked at that last week. I personally think that this was a miracle as far as the disciples were concerned, because you'll remember The Samaritans were despised by the Jews, and the Jews despised the Samaritans. Prejudice. We will see this similar situation take place between the Jews and the Gentiles in just a few chapters. But for now, we're going to see Philip being open to the will of the Lord. As we look at our verses this morning, here is the big theme He is open to the will of the Lord. Uh, How about if we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, 32. Sorry I had you start in Acts, but we're going to go to Corinthians right away. And I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation. Because I'd like to look at some interesting verses about being single or married, since Philip was single at this point of his life. As he's ministering here, he is a single man. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, we read this, verse 32. I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how he may please him. Who's the him here? How he may please the Lord. But a married man, okay, so single man, married man. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. Husbands, notice that. It's in the Bible. So you are to be concerned on how to please your wife. Keep it all in balance. Don't go on either extreme. Okay? Because both male and females can be very demanding. His interest... Okay, but a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities, how to please his wife. His interests are divided... In the same way, a woman who is no longer married or has never been married, so again, a single person here, who one was married, now a widow, or divorced and now a widowed, or a single person, can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and in spirit. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. Notice that. Guys, this is the word of God. Don't blame me. This is the word of God. So we're try- we should be trying to please one another, but obviously in the Lord. Not in the flesh, in the Lord. As the husbands submit to the Lord, as the Lord is our head, 
and the head of our wives, in earthly responsibilities, the wife is to submit to the head of the family. But that's not chauvinistic or none of that nonsense as you read the Word of God because we're co-equal in Christ, male and female. But God is a God of order. God the Father. The Son submits to the Father. The Holy submits to the the Holy Spirit submits to the Son and the Father. You see it, but yet they're co-equal. They're co-equal. So just continue to mature in that if you don't understand that. You will. You'll figure it out. I am saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. So in other words, if you're single, you can't be married. No, you can be married. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. So again, for a majority of people, we are going to get married. That's just reality. And we're going to, most of the time, we'll, and it's for procreation, to carry on the human race. That's just natural. That's just life. But for some people, they are single. And unfortunately, we've had have people say to us, even at this church, you know, everything around here is really for the marrieds, for the marrieds, for the marrieds. And I'm single and you, you don't do anything for us. Well, that's not true. There's a lot of stuff going on for the singles. You just need to step up and get involved. But at the same point, I do want to stress, if you are single, you're not second-class citizen in the body of Christ. Please don't feel that way. I hope I don't make you feel that way. I don't intend to do that. I don't think anyone does intend to do that. So work through that. You're not second class. You're an important member of the body of Christ. And now as we go back into Acts chapter 8 in verse 26, we see a single man. We see a single man who will eventually become married and have four daughters. So if you're single, serve the Lord. You have fewer distractions than us married people. Verse uh, Chapter 8, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise, go towards the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. (laughs) Here we see true humility in the life of Philip, who is being mightily used of the Lord. People were coming to the knowledge of Jesus being the Messiah through Philip, a deacon, by the way. And he didn't have four years of seminary. He was a deacon, only months of hanging out with the disciples. There were tremendous and obvious healings that were taking place. Demons were being cast out, and there was great joy in the city of Samaria and in the area of Samaria. Question that comes into my mind And if you're serving the Lord, and if you've served the Lord in the past, and you might have asked yourself this, why would the Lord ask Philip to leave such a wonderful, active ministry? Because there was someone who was seeking after God who was heading back home from Jerusalem. You see, a very important Ethiopian came to worship in Jerusalem. And God desired to offer that man the free gift of salvation. So as we're reading this, just don't get hung up in the story. Get the bigger picture that Philip is a humble servant. And he's obedient and listening to what God, what would you have me to do? And when God says, you know, this is a lush area. This is a really nice area. I want you to go 30, 60 miles down to Gaza. The desert. That's like you got a got a really good ministry up in Flagstaff, and God says, "You know what? Go down to Phoenix." What? It's hot in the summer. 
No, go to Phoenix. I need you in Phoenix. No, God, I'm not going to go. And he gives us free will. He gives us free will. We can stay. He'll get somebody else. And we're going to miss out on the ministry that he had for us. Because if you read the word of God, Ephesians 2.10 says that he's foreordained good works for us to walk in them. They're, they're there. We just got to be ready this week. So I know that's an extreme, you know, Flagstaff to Phoenix. But how about this week, the Lord says, hey, go over and talk to that person. No. Do you see how they're dressed? They probably smell. No. I don't, I don't think you're talking to me. Must have been lunch. You must be talking to somebody else. So make it personal to you. Because this is what it is. It's personal. It's personal. Because sometimes we can go, well, I'm not a missionary, so I can check out of this conversation. No, you're not a missionary. You're an ambassador for Christ. The Bible says you me, that we are ambassadors for Christ. That means wherever we go, in our workplace, our neighborhood, wherever that might be, we have an opportunity to minister to someone, plant, water, fertilize, maybe even ask them if they'd like to receive Jesus as their Savior. So don't check out and leave it up to the pastor or the church because you are the church. This is just a building. You are the church, and you're going to leave this building, and you're going to go out into your mission field. You see, here are just a few of the many verses in the Word of God that verify that God is concerned about every person on the face of the whole earth. And with that obedience, with that obedience of His children, who, raise your hand, who here this morning is one of God's children? See, you don't have to be afraid, okay? So as we're looking at this, just don't take it because we don't need another Bible study. Many of you know the Word of God probably better than I do. And unfortunately, many people come to church just to get another study, another pep talk, another pat on the head, everything's going to be okay. We don't need that. We need a kick in the pants because people are dying and going to hell. And the Republicans and the Democrats don't have the answer of going to heaven. Okay? Ambassadors for Christ have that. And so you as an ambassador are going out this week into what? What do we got? 7.3 billion people? And how many of those people are going to heaven? Let's just say a billion. Let's just get crazy and say a billion. Well, that still leaves five out of six people that need Jesus. So there's a big mission field out there. Don't just put it on the pastorate or on the what we call the church. So again, he need, with the obedience of his children, he will be able to reach them. You see, what we are seeing in this chapter, that Philip was a listening and obedient disciple of the Lord Jesus. Now, I don't want you to raise your hand. It's just between you and the Lord, because I believe I already know the answer. But it's between you and the Lord. And I, I encourage you to ask yourself this question, as I do often. Just ask yourself this question during the week as you ponder this situation and think about, God, is it applicable to me? Just ask yourself, am I a listening and obedient disciple? Do I want to be a listening and obedient disciple? I might be an obedient disciple. I'm not out killing and stealing and all those things. But do I want to be a listening disciple? No, my schedule is just too busy, God. I don't have time for interruptions. Thank you. I'll just keep going. 
and, and in the ministry, I have the privilege of being in full-time ministry, there are interruptions, and you have to get used to those interruptions. And sometimes the flesh goes, God, I just don't want this right now. But then as you get used to it and you know you're called to do it, then you do it and you look back and go, thank you, God, that you stirred via the Holy Spirit to, to crucify my flesh and that I listen to you. Now, that doesn't happen 100% of the time. Trust me. No saint up here, okay? As far as that, nobody's perfect. But we got to be working at it. we got to be working at it. we got to be more attentive. God, what would you have me to do today? I've got my schedule. Can I be interrupted? Am I listening? Am I going to be obedient? Isaiah 6, 8 says, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am. Send me. And guys, that's applicable. When did Isaiah live? 2,700 years ago? That's still applicable today. As you start your day, as we're going through our day, and you get this sense of God maybe calling you to do something, He's just, you know, just say, are you, are you asking me? Because I'm willing. Or you might say, are you asking me? Because I'm too busy. God will go, okay. Alright. That's fine. He's not going to be mad. He's not going to be upset. He's not going to dislike us. We just miss out on the potential opportunity to store up treasure in heaven. So Philip is called from the area of Samaria, again, which was lush and beautiful, to an area that is rough and dry, a desert area. You see, God's ways are not always what we would initially call effective ways. God, there's got to be a more effective way. But they always end up being the best ways. You see, again, this road that, that he is, Philip is going to be on is anywhere between 30 to 60 miles from where he currently is. So you're going to leave a thrive, think, put yourself in Philip's shoes, sandals. Okay, you're going to leave a thriving ministry to go on foot. He didn't have a Mercedes. Health and wealth hadn't come around yet. He was walking on foot, 30 to 60 miles through the desert alone with no real idea on why I'm doing this. Guys, he didn't have the whole story. He was just told, go. And what did he do? Okay. I'll go. I'll go. Now, I know I'll got, keep it in context because I know we all can't just drop everything and leave, go to Africa or wherever, but we can go maybe to our neighbor if God calls us to do that. You see, that's called trust. Trust in the Lord and lean not on to your own understanding, the proverb tells us. Let's look at verses 27 and 28. So he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury. Notice that. So again, not, sometimes when we read the stories in the Bible, we, we, we just get really, we just read it. And we just blow through it. And we forget to add to it what was most likely there. Now, if he was over all the treasury of this area... Was he by himself? Was he just one guy? I'm going up to Jerusalem to offer sacrifice and now I'm going to head back home. Was he all by himself? No way. No way. He had a whole entourage with him. He probably had soldiers to keep him safe. He, they didn't have Circle K's every five miles or a, oh, coming to a rest area, ten miles. They didn't have any of that. So he must have had cooks with him. He had all kinds of people alongside of him. This was a huge deal. But Philip didn't know that. Philip was just told, go, just go. 
But I've got a thriving ministry. Go. Just go. You see, here was a man who had come to Jerusalem to worship. You see, he was seeking after God. And as we have read, he desired to know the truth of the word. So the rest of those verses there, who had charge of her whole treasury and come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariots. He was reading Isaiah the prophet. Notice that. This man was so wealthy that he even had his own scriptures, which was totally unusual for this time. It's not like you and me today where we have three, four, five Bibles in our house. No. Very few people had the scriptures. Where he was heading to was a region of Nubia, which was located today from southern Egypt to central the Sudan. And it would have been from Jerusalem roughly seven to nine hundred miles. Seven to nine hundred miles. He was the finance minister to Candace the Queen. And again, this is not a name, but rather a title, just like the title of Pharaoh. So we see that this man had great authority, which brought with it power, prestige, and privileges. He had the comfort of a chariot. He was a man who was learned. He was able to read and to write. And again, we take this for granted in our culture. This was a very, very smart man. And we find that he was reading the book of Isaiah, a wonderful book, written during a time of great distress upon the nation of Israel. He was in the 53rd chapter of Isaiah, which I would encourage you to read, which is a chapter that speaks very clearly about a future Messiah coming on the scene. So 29 and 30. Then the Spirit said to Philip, notice capital S, the Holy Spirit, go near and overtake his chariots. Again, remember, Philip said, go? Okay, I'll go. Any further instructions? No, just go. And guys, you will see that, and I will see this in the scriptures. God says go because he's looking for a willing vessel. But sometimes the unwilling vessel says, yeah, well, what about, and what's the rest of the story? I don't want to walk by faith. You see, when we get attentive, then we start to learn to walk by faith. And we don't question God because we know God is God. He's smarter than we are. We just walk by faith, not by sight. And so Philip, at a very young age, is walking by faith, not knowing what he's going to do, what's going to happen, but he's walking by faith. You see, we will eventually get the full picture from the Lord. Give us everything that we need to know, and then we'll decide if we want to obey, we'll often say to God. Philip is showing us otherwise. He was directed to go to the Samaritans, so he headed towards Samaria. Then he was directed to go to the desert. He didn't know why the desert, but in obedience, he headed towards the deserts. In a few verses, we're going to see him sent through southern Israel, heading north along the coast to the very famous coastal city called Caesarea. You see, he started out as a deacon and a messenger and then an evangelist to the multitudes. This morning, we see him as a Bible teacher to this Ethiopian man who was single. Roughly 20 years from this point in Philip's life, we'll find him being called an evangelist in Caesarea with four daughters who prophesied. So bring that all together. He went from a faithful single to a faithful husband to a faithful father who taught his children the word of God. So wherever you find yourself, if you're single, be faithful. If you're married without children, be faithful. If you have children, Be faithful and raise them in the Lord. But children will grow up to do their own thing. So don't beat yourself up either.
because they're stinking little sinners. And they have to develop the faith and they have to build their own testimony. And sometimes that can be very, very hard on them, emotionally hard on us. But we just pray. Because the word says when they're older, they'll come back. We just do our part. God will take care of the rest. So what we're seeing in Acts here is a wonderful example of a single man who surrendered his life to the Lord and was found fulfilling what the will of the Lord was for his life. Because some people say, well, what's the will of the Lord for my life? I'm single or I'm married or I don't have kids or I have kids or this or that. As long as I can tell you right now, the will of the Lord is to serve him faithfully. How are you serving him? Well, I haven't done that many years. Well, then let's just start there. Why are you asking about anything else if you're not doing the first thing? Well, I don't, I don't know how to serve them. Well, pray. Pray. And then maybe start asking questions to the leaders of the church. Hey, you know what? I like to do this. Somebody came up to me this past weekend or this past week and said, Hey, I like to do landscaping. Do you need any help around here? Uh, yeah. Maybe just a little bit. That's great. Love to have you. We got a few more trees to plant. A few more bushes. You make yourself available. And God will use you. Or we might say, you know what? We don't have a need here. But you know what? I know somebody who does. And maybe we'll send you to that ministry where your gifts will be used in that ministry or to an individual that might need help. But if we just sit around and sit on our talents and sit on our serving, what good is it? It's not. So we have to be available So whatever you find yourself in, be faithful to that, whatever that might be. Because Philip here is just giving us a great example. What is the will of the Lord for my life? Here we see Philip. What the will of the Lord was, it was to walk attentively to his voice. Well, let's look at Ephesians chapter 5. Because then the question is, especially if you're a new believer, how can we do that? If you're a new believer or a young believer or maybe you're an old believer that just hasn't gotten into the word for most of your life and you're still waiting for God to part the clouds and talk to you, not going to happen. I shouldn't say it's not going to happen. God can do what he wants. Most likely, it's not going to happen. It happens through reading the word of God and listening to that still small voice called the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5 says, but all things that are expressed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. And we know that Jesus is what? I am the light of the world. The word of God gives us light, gives us direction. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly. So the unbeliever becoming a believer. Now, what should the believer do? Verse 15 Well, what should I do? What is the will of the Lord for my life? Well, verse 15 starts to tell us what the word of the Lord, will of the Lord is for my life. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Paul is writing this back in the original 60s, 50s, 60s. And here we are 2000 years later. Has it changed? The days are evil. So what is the will of the Lord for my life? To redeem the time. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. You see, walking in the light comes by reading God's word. And so one of the things that I would say to a person who asked me, what is the will of the Lord for my life? I would ask them, are you reading your word? Are you reading your Bible? Well, you know, I I read it last year. 
Great, great. I'm, I'm happy for you. What about for today? Well, I'm not good at reading. Oh, man, that's a bummer. I'm not either. It takes me about 25 minutes to read. What's your next excuse? If you're not good at reading, you can get it on audio. What's your next excuse? Well, I don't got the money. I'll buy it for you. What's your next excuse? You see, the flesh can keep making excuses. But I really want to know what the will of the Lord is. No, you don't. You don't. I don't. If I'm not doing what I should be doing, then I really can, I can say I want to know what the will of the Lord is, but I don't. I don't want to know. Because I'm not doing. I mean, would you guys look at me as your pastor and say, well, you want to, you want to know what the will of the Lord is if I come to you this week and say, well, you know what? I didn't study all week. I didn't pray. I didn't do my devotions. I really don't care. So let's just turn our Bibles to, yeah, and then just pick a verse. How many of you would stick around? How many of you would stick around? Take your two fingers and make a zero. You wouldn't stick around. And should I blame you? Not at all. You see, I have a responsibility. But is it I alone who has the responsibility? No. You are an ambassador for Christ. I am an ambassador for Christ. Philip was an ambassador for Christ. So what is the will of the Lord for my life? To read God's word so we can discern good from evil. Is there a discernment that needs to happen in the days we're living in? Do you as parents need to teach your children to have a discernment about same-sex marriage? Or are you just going to tell them verbally, well, we don't believe that in this household? Really? Are you going to give them a verse? Are you going to give them a chapter? Are you going to give them many verses? Because if you don't, then they're going to lose the battle. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. We wrestle against authorities that want to destroy every marriage on the face of this earth. Because marriage represents Christ in the church. And when God created mankind, how did he create them? I created them male and female. Period. You need to know the word of God. Because we are being bombarded with trash every single day. That's attacking our Christian faith. So what is the will of the Lord? to know his word so that his word will guide me and strengthen me that I might complete the will that he has for my life. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. As we think about the will of the Lord, and we could go on and on and on about this, so I just picked a few verses. The will of the Lord in 1 Peter chapter 4. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. What? We're Americans. We, we want comfort. Comfortable cars, comfortable churches, comfortable homes, comfortable jobs. What do you mean suffer? For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. You see, I'm not unique to you and you're not unique to me. The enemy is wooing me, desiring me to sin. So we all have that in common. So since we all have that in common, what do we all in common have to do? We have to be in the word of God so that we can fight the battle via the word of God. Not just in the mind by positive thinking. No, by quoting scriptures as Jesus did against Satan himself in the three temptations. Jesus quoted the word of God, word perfect. Because in Matthew, in the second temptation, Satan quoted the word of God. 
Are there any politicians quoting the word of God today? Unbelievable, the quotes that they pull out. Totally out of context. But they'll throw it out there to get what? To get unstudied Christians to believe, oh, I got to vote for him. He just quoted the Bible. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a good reason to vote for him. If you don't know your Bible, you're just going to swallow it hook, line, and sinker. That he no longer, so what is the will of the Lord for my life? What is the will of the Lord for your life? That he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. You guys see that? So in our daily responsibilities, which we have to have, raising the children, um, bringing home the finances to pay for the house, to pay for the electric, all of those things, guys, I've done it for 41 years. It has to be done, not taking any of that away. But you got to keep it in your mind. But God, what else is it? What else do you have for me today? It can't just be the same. I get up. I eat my Cheerios, I go to work, I come home, eat dinner, I watch a show, I go to bed. I get up, I go to bed. Is that your life? In your mind, don't have to raise your hand, right? But is that your life? Is that what you, if I say that, are you thinking, yeah, that's me? Please don't do that. Stop. Start praying every morning, God, what, is, what do you have for me today? And your life is drastically going to change. Might be one little thing. But that one little thing is going to shoot you through the roof. Because you're going to go, God, you used me. You used me. Even in the midst of all this nonsense, you used me. Guys, you will, you will never forget that feeling. Ever. And the next day you'll say the same prayer. God, use me today. God, use me today. And every day, God, use me today. God, and Some days he will, some days he won't. Okay? Don't base your salvation or anything on that. But I encourage you. Start doing that because God wants to use you. What do we have to do to do that? Dying to self is another key to finding God's wills for our lives. Husbands, you're to die to yourself. I don't like this any more than you do. But I have to die and I don't like dying. But at the end of the day, I have to die and go around the house and make sure the doors are locked. Make sure the garbage is out. Checking out Wow, the water jugs are empty. I gotta go get the water jugs filled because my wife can't lift 35 pounds. Five gallon water jug is seven pounds to a gallon, 35 pounds. Honey, you get the water today. I don't feel like it. No, die and go get the water. Do whatever it takes. You die. Remember what we read earlier? The husband's trying to please the wife. And what's the wife's role? To try to please the husband. You remember that? It's in the word of God. I don't like that. Well, that's your problem. Let's move on. Verse 31. And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. Think about this. We're not going to get through the rest of it. We'll finish it up next week. But think about this. Get this picture. And I mentioned to Terrence, so I know Terrence is listening. Terrence, come on out. You can come up and sing the last song. I said, no, we won't do the last song. No, we're going to do the last song. We'll wrap it up next week. But get the picture, guys. Who is Philip? He's a guy, right? How many of you guys in here? Yeah, raise your hand if you're a guy. Yeah, yeah. Because you are either a guy or a gal. That's it. So, and you're on a walk. Now, Philip didn't have a shower with him. 
He didn't have spray-on or roll-on deodorant. And so, guys, how many of you smell sweet after a day or two of working without taking a shower? And your wife or your friends just say, oh, come and give me a hug. They're like, do something about that, would you please? Philip is that guy. Philip's been walking, we don't know how many days, but it's 30 to 60 miles. So it's been at least three or four days. He's pretty ripe right about now. And here's a an Ethiopian official who's got everything available to him. So he's smelling nice. And he invites this guy into his chariots. That's like pulling up in downtown Phoenix. I shouldn't say a city. That's like pulling up somewhere and inviting a homeless person that's been there for a week into the car that you just got detailed because you're reading your word and you say, I don't get this. Will you explain this to me? Come on in. There aren't going to be too many people that could do that, are there? But the Holy Spirit was working in that man's life. He was open to the Holy Spirit. And Philip comes up and the guy says, will you come up? Will you come up? How can I know unless somebody tells me? What is that saying to you about your coworkers? How will they know unless somebody tells them? That's Romans chapter 10. How will your neighbors, neighbors know unless somebody tells them? So guys, this week we just need to be available. Whatever that looks like. I'm not saying go around and beat people up with your Bible. Do your normal routine. Be yourself. But be open to the Holy Spirit saying, go talk to that person. Go pray for that person. Go share the gospel with that person. Go help that person change their tire. Whatever, a practical thing, and that might develop into something. Or it might just be, hey, God loves you, bless your day. I'm glad I could help you. Might be something as simple as that. You planted, you watered, you fertilized. Or it might be just somebody ripe, and you're, you're gonna say, you know what, would you like to see Jesus as your savior? Yes. Let me ask you that question again. No, they said yes. Go with it. But we won't know unless we ask, right? Father, we thank you and praise you for this morning. We know you have a plan and a purpose behind all things. And everything you're doing in our midst, politically, socially, it's not just, it's just not by chance. You have a plan. There's no conspiracy here. It's the word. It's the word of God. Your word says it will be. It will be as it was in the days of Lot. It will be as it was in the days of Noah. Stock market or no stock market. Your word is going to be fulfilled and no one is going to stop it. So Father, we just want to be in the flow, your flow. Whatever crashes around us, we want to be in your perfect will. And we know your will is for us as ambassadors for Christ to go out into our mission field to be a light of the glorious gospel. So Father, fill us afresh right now. Father, we need more of your Holy Spirit. We cannot do this ourselves. Our flesh doesn't want to do it. We've got to die. And we don't want to die. 
We want to be comfortable. We want to be blessed. We want to be stroked. Father, help us to die that you might live through us as we're seeing this simple man dying to self, leaving a wonderful ministry to go meet a man who needs Jesus. Use us the same way, Father. Single or married, young or old, use us this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand, guys. My eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampled out the vintage where the grapes of wrath were stored. He is raised the faithful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching. Staff. It's true.